Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Panda takes out Clipsall. Stamped a mark in the ground after the Middle East that we're, yes we are fast, yes the cars are good. The Grand Slam is announced. We've got to the strong financial position that we can, so um, why not? And debris on the racetrack creates a spectacular finish. That was exciting, that rain at the end and, and people diving up the inside, bits flying off cars, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. We look at all that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Garth Tander turned around a disappointing Middle East trip to take out the Clipsal 500, an event that he's not been able to claim previously. I had uh, some results here in the past, but um, you know, never actually really had a race win and, and had some solid results. So, um, yeah, look, certainly good to get the race win uh, on Saturday and then to be able to back that up again with a pole and then, a quali- and then the race win on Sunday was yeah, a fantastic result. Um, certainly something we needed to do. We needed to make sure we still stamped a mark in the ground after the Middle East that we're, yes, we are fast, yes, the cars are good, and we proved that here this weekend. Tander was outspoken about the message from race control following a long caution due to the track breaking up in Turn 8. I thought it was um, you know, a pretty bad situation to put the drivers in because we were actually told over the radio that they're going to restart the race. It's up to us to stay off the kerb, and if there's any incident as a result of damage from that kerb, then they take no onus. And I think that's pretty average to put drivers in that position with 15-odd laps to go. So um, I thought it was very dangerous the way they left the kerb. Um, They probably could have got some Bondo or something out there and and, um, some quick set type stuff and and at least taken the sharp edge off it because, you know, if something did go wrong there, it would have been a massive incident. We certainly don't need that at turn eight at any time. James Courtney continued his strong performance in the early rounds of the championship and rebounded from an extremely disappointing 2009 Clipsal event. It's good this year. We had a good effort by the guys. Everyone did a fantastic job to come from no testing at all. And we had um, a few dramas. And to come away with two seconds, it's, uh, it's a credit to all the guys. Courtney says his car will be well suited to Hamilton for the next round of the championship. Yeah, you know, we were really quick there last year. We ended up second, so, um, you know, we've got expectations are pretty high, especially after coming off the result here, so uh, looking forward to it. Lee Holsworth was thrilled with third place on Saturday's first leg of the Clipsal. Yeah, we know we're strong at these straight circuits, so we knew we had to capitalise, and, um, uh, you know, after Homebush last year, I didn't get the result that I, I should have. We should have won that round, Um to, to get on the podium again after after that is um, a good feeling and you know something that the guys will it'll cheer the guys up and uh, you know make the spirits higher. Well, Frosty Winterbottom's third on Sunday followed a disappointing 21st on Saturday, and it was not without its own set of problems. Car was good enough, but the driver made a few errors, so uh, I owe the boys a few few beers tonight because um, you know they gave me the, the car to win. I think, but good race, you know that was 
that was exciting that rain at the end and and people diving up the inside bits flying off cars it was uh, it was pretty awesome so awesome race to watch and pretty scary being involved in it Championship leader Jamie Wincup was circumspect on his weekend with fourth place on Saturday followed by a drive-through penalty for a part hanging off the car which broke away before the car hit pit lane. Yeah, disaster. We uh, we just feel we we feel robbed. You know, it was just a it was one of those great battles at the end of the race. We we had a great car and we you know, we all pushed on we're all on different strategies and come down to 10 to go. Four really quick cars. Throw in the track breaking up, throw in a bit of weather, throw in a bit of tyres, they're laminating, and it's a battle. And um, I've got nothing with James. Like, we, we, we're out there racing, you know, and a bit of, bit of rubbing is what it's all about. Um, and for the stewards to get involved, uh, I don't know about that. Team Vodafone's Roland Dane comments on the track commentary at Clipsal about the drive-through penalty caught most people's attention. The V8 Insiders asked Roland if the only solution was a gun... How many bullets, and who would it be pointed at? Um, I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I'm not sure who to uh, who to go after at the moment. I'm just uh, trying to decide. Uh, but uh, anyway, the most the most important thing is that the fans watching on TV and watching here today have lost out on a good motor race through uh, probably the incompetence of our actual rules um, or CAMS rules. I'm not sure. So. Uh, that's what we need to look at, frankly. Steve Owen claimed the first round of the Fujitsu Series at Adelaide with two convincing wins in both races. Owen, who will be driving with Jamie Wincup, said that the GMR car was a good match for getting him race fit. Probably more, more to the point, this car is not an unusual car to drive. The HRT car, as Coulthard's finding out, was quite a difficult car to drive. And if you do, you do laps in another car, it's, um, it sort of isn't as close. But this car is more a traditional sort of a car. It doesn't um, does things like most other cars. So I think it's going to be good, good practice, yeah. James Moffat is now second in the championship and is mindful that Owen might not be back for the rest of the year. Yeah, for me, um, coming into the year, it's a bit of a different approach to, to past seasons or particularly last year when I was a round-by-round round proposition. So um, I guess I was probably more concerned about results at, at each round, whereas this year uh, I have the, the luxury, I guess, of, of being able to concentrate on the championship and um, for us... Tony Cochran announced the V8 Grand Slam on Saturday. The Clipsal 500 in Adelaide, the Super Cheap Auto 1000 in Bathurst, the brand new event on the Gold Coast, Super Carnival, and of course the Sydney Telstra 500 will take home $2 million for the year. The highest prize ever offered in, a, in motorsport in Australia. The drivers are eager to get the cash the chairman is offering. Firstly, I'd be very happy to take $2 million of Tony's money. Um, and secondly, um, I probably needed a bit more than these other blokes because they keep trying to retire me, so I'll probably put it in the uh, invest, uh, the super fund or something like that. When you're out on the track, um, money doesn't come into your mind at all. So we're, we're going to go out there and, and drive as hard as we can and, and win the event. But... Um, Certainly a massive incentive, a massive coupe on the outside. Yeah, I reckon I can go in a few tents out of it, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely no. uh, gives a bit of courage into that last corner <laughs> on that last lap if you're uh, in second, that's for sure. Yeah, it would change the uh, if it did come down to Homebush for yourself or for someone near who was going for it, it certainly uh, it would change, uh, change the stakes, that's for sure. So it's a pretty exciting concept and um, see if someone can get close or do it. It looks as if the series could expand with two more rounds overseas. 
Tony Cochran telling Big Pond Sport the five countries have approached the series. Two new venues in Australia, uh, Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, India, South Africa. Um, so, yeah, the, we, we've, um, you know, it's a, it's a, that's an ongoing rollout. Tony announced that he's taking a break from the series as Jeff Jones comes on board at SEL. From the 1st of May to the 1st of August, I'm having a complete sabbatical. I'm having a total three months off uh, for the first time in my working life, which I regret to say extends over 37 years. I uh, will be off uh, and um, not available um, to the championship during those three months and uh, Jeff will step into my shoes totally during those three months. You can expect the big announcements to continue throughout 2010 with the first on the car of the future, which is slated for Monday following the Grand Prix at the Crown Casino in Melbourne. We will be announcing um, publicly all the details on car of the future the Monday immediately following the um, Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne um, with a press conference at, at Crown Casino. The international driver's list for the Gold Coast Carnival will be made in April and Tony has hinted at a major announcement of the structure and future of the sport by the Sydney Telstra 500. We've got six months now to work out as a sport where and how we're going to go forward beyond car of the future. Drivers have said that dobbing in their opposition has always been around. It's probably been the same for a long time. Everyone's always watching, see if they can catch someone else out. I think over, over the radio there was one team standing at turn one in particular in qualifying reporting the the curb hoppings coming through. So, uh, you know, it always happens. Oh, they did us both, didn't they? Bastards. That's who got you. Yeah. <laughs> who was it, you know? We'll get him. John Bow agreed that it was increasing and it wasn't really apparent when he was in the championship. It's obviously part of modern sport, isn't it? I mean, not that I'm that far out of date, I guess, but this uh, it, it's so intensely competitive now and uh, everybody's scrambling for their lives you know i think that's probably what happens and that's the news on the v8 insiders after the break gordon lomas and murray walker will join me from the clips or 500 controversy corner is next when we return with more on the v8 insiders you've taken the v8 to the races you watch the action on tv now read about them in v8x magazine v8x magazine dedicated to just one thing v8 supercars Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, uh, Gordon Lomas from V8X Magazine. How are you going, Gordon? Um, I'm trying to catch my breath, probably like Murray after that uh, epic motor race. I mean, that was uh, something we haven't, uh, haven't seen here for a, quite a while. Um, just... Uh, Amazing driving, amazingly clean driving, and um, you know those boys. You know, take your hat off to them. I mean, that was just just an absolute brilliant show they put on. Well, the man whose voice you'll hear next needs no introduction, but I will introduce him, Murray Walker. Uh, the Clips of Five Hundred and Adelaide Parkland Circuit is as much Murray Walker's hometown as uh, 
as, of course, uh, England and Formula One paddocks around the world. Well, it's certainly marvellous for me to come back here. I mean, first came in 1985 for the Grand Prix, and then we stayed until 1996, and everybody loved coming to Adelaide because the atmosphere was so great, the people were so nice, the circuit was so superb, the racing was absolutely first class. Uh, we were sorry to leave, and Formula One would love to come back, I know, and I thought that was it as far as I was concerned with, with Adelaide, but then... I was fortunate enough to have the Clipsal 500 people ask me to come out and join them. It's my sixth year now, uh, and this year has certainly been the best of the lot. The, the, the racing uh, was, has been absolutely superb. Yesterday was a, was a great race. Uh, today was magnificent. I thought we were going all the way through without a safety car. And then, of course, we got all the drama just a few laps from the end. And then we thought it was going to rain, and it did a bit, but not enough. And then we had the curb break up and uh, tremendous battle be between five cars at the end. And uh, Garth's done it again, and he could still go on and win $2 million, potentially. Incredible. It has to be the first time in all that time you've been coming here that we've seen actually something to do with the track failing during a race meeting. Yeah, and that's very much to Adelaide's credit and the credit of the Clips or 500 organisers because something like that is all too easy to happen. You've, you've got no idea of when something like that is going to break up and it's a, it's a big problem and a lot of people have been very critical since the race ended about the action that was taken or not taken. But it, it's one thing to sit on the sidelines and pontificate about what you would have done if you had had to do it and, and actually having to do it as a responsible official. I, I think they did the right thing and the, the proof of the pudding was in the eating. We had a magnificent race right down to the, the last turn of the wheel. I feel very sorry for Jamie Wincup, but I suppose you have to say that rules are rules and they have to be obeyed. And I presume that the stewards implemented the rules as they should have been. It's an interesting situation, isn't it, uh, Gordon, where the, the debris comes off the car, but if the black flag's issued, it's like the, the speeding infringement. You can only argue about it after the fact. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, no one likes to be hard done by, but, you know, as Murray quite rightly said, that's the rules. You've got to abide by them, and, uh, you know, you've got to treat every team the same. And, uh, you know, while it was unfortunate, I mean, um, you know, Triple Eight, Team Vodafone uh, have had a terrific run over the last few seasons and um, you've got to take the good with the bad. And unfortunately, Jamie had to, um, had to you know, swallow, swallow the, um, the rule and take the penalty and, you know, so be it. Um, Garth went on to win the race and I think quite rightly, uh, I think it would have been, had they have stopped the race when that uh, curb broke apart, um, you know, on lap 58 with 20 laps to go, I think uh, I don't think it would have done any good at all. I think um, I think they, you know, it was. Mind you, Gordon, you say that, and I agree with you, because of the way things turned out. Uh, but if the race had gone on and somebody had had a lump of concrete through the windscreen and through his visor, and the car had gone into the wall and someone had been seriously hurt they would have been all hell to pay. It really is a terribly difficult decision to make. And, and especially on Turn 8, which has been yeah. notorious over the last few years with really, really big accidents. So it's not as if it was on a hairpin corner. 
um, where there wouldn't have been any problem whatsoever, but it was, happened to be on the, uh, the, you know, the most dangerous corner on the track. Now, Craig Lowndes is a driver, Murray, that you've seen over the years developing from those Grand Prix days now to now. Craig had probably his worst weekend you can remember, and it, it, it's really uh, a, a reflection of, I guess, what Jamie Winkup's the pressure he's putting him under as his teammate. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of Craig Lowndes fans out there that will be after my blood after what I'm about to say but uh, you're right I've seen Craig he's a, a tribute to Australia and he's a tribute to Australian racing um, but he hasn't had a good season thus far uh, the conditions are the same for him as they have been for Jamie Jamie seems to have taken to it like a duck to water the, the change of car um, Craig has had very bad luck we, we all come to the end of the road sometime or other. I came to the end of the road and uh, I decided I'd better hang the microphone up. I'm not saying that Craig ought to hang his steering wheel up, but uh, somebody has got to take a deep, strong look at what's happened to him this season and decide how things should go from now on. It's pretty early in the season for him, for us to be riding him off, Gordo. Yeah, I think so. Look, I, I haven't been down to the, um, to the garage and... and you know, I had a chat to the boys, but uh, you know, I don't know if Craig had a problem with the car or whatever. But we made a comment during the race a few times that Craig looked really untidy today. Um, you know, more untidy than you would expect. So, um, I, you know, maybe something wasn't quite right with the car. I don't know. Well, we might uh, pause talking about the race for a moment and uh, talk about a few other things in general. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to V8 Insiders. Murray Walker. Well, the meaning of life we can certainly get into because that is actually where we were going to go here in this segment. Gordon Lomas from VRX Magazine, Murray Walker, who is the Clipsal 500. And, uh, Murray, the meaning of life is an interesting one because the V8 supercars are uh, after the Melbourne Grand Prix, which I'm, I'm not, I didn't even ask, are you staying on for that? No, unfortunately I am not. It's, it's two weeks away and I have things to do in England. And I, I can't get down to Melbourne much as I would like to, but then you can't have everything. No. Well, uh, after Melbourne, the V8 supercars are going to launch their car of the future, Gordon. That was uh, the announcement this week. And, and I'm interested to hear your and Murray's thoughts, and particularly Murray's, but uh, your thoughts on how we're going to see this evolution of V8 supercars. Uh, yeah, car of, the, car of the future is a bit of tautology, I think. It's really the car of now. There's not many too many changes um, with it but um, obviously cost reduction is is the you know prime seen as a primary goal but number two and I think a lot of people forget that uh, the other objective with car of the future is actually getting more manufacturers involved and uh, and that certainly is the aim from 2012 when the when the cars will make their debut what I've been able to find out today is that um, the car of the future 
paper has got to be signed off by no later than June 30 and that the first car has got to be built and finished by Bathurst this year. Now, whilst, Murray, I don't expect you to know the finite details of V8 supercars making these changes, you have seen over so many years formulas changing their formulas, introducing new, not little tweaks, big tweaks to the rules. What are your feelings that the V8 supercars from this platform would need to do? Well, all all motor racing is about men in cars going round in circles and trying to go faster than all the other blokes. And no matter what changes they are or are not going to make, it will remain the same. Uh, Gordon's right. I, I don't know too much about the rules of, and of what the way things are going to change. Uh, I look at things from the point of view of an outsider, and we all know that there is this great tradition of rivalry between Ford fans and Holden fans here. Uh, in absolute terms, I think it's a bit unhealthy if there are only two manufacturers involved because you've only got to have one of them decide for whatever reason, financial or others, to drop out and then you've got nothing, you've got a monopoly. Uh, in the British Touring Car Championship, we've got all sorts of different manufacturers and to a lesser extent it is the same in the World Touring Car Championship and what I'm tortuously leading up to is that wouldn't it be great, or at least it would from my point of view, if it was Ford against Holden, against Mercedes-Benz, against Nissan, against Renault, against Toyota. It would be very different, and the Ford and Holden fans might not like it, but variety is the spice of life, and I think it would, be, it would add to an already superb scene of Australian touring car racing if there were more manufacturers in it. Well, you were involved in Australian touring car racing in a uh, media sense when we did go down the international road up against the V8s, and uh, you, of course, uh, have always said you want to see, you want to commentate a Bathurst for the V8s, but uh, you were certainly out here in the uh, good old super touring days where we did go for the international formula. Yeah, yeah, but they they weren't at all popular. I mean, uh, unless I'm very mis- mis- unless I'm very much mistaken, and my memory is serving me badly. Uh, it was a bit of a political stitch-up, and uh, um, chap whose names begin with A and G uh, was was responsible for the, the V8s dropping out and the super touring cars coming in. Now I came; I, I'd never been to Bathurst. This was manna from heaven for me when Channel Seven phoned and said we want you to come out to Bathurst and do some commentary on it. Uh, and uh, I arrived and I started walking around the course. I, I always walk around the course. I started walking around the course, uh, and they said, you're never going to do it, Murray. And I said, oh, yes, so I got halfway up the hill, and there was a leering Alan Moffat sitting in a car alongside me, and he said, do you want to lift, Murray? And I had a lift. But on the way, I don't, I don't know whether you, you'll have to take this out if, if it's not acceptable. But I was talking to one of the grizzled old retainers who had been to all the Bathurst races. Uh, and I said, have you been here? Oh, yeah, Murray said, I've been to all of them. I said, what do you, uh, what do you think of the super touring people then, the two litres? There are a lot of Chardonnay drinking poofters, Murray, he said. <laughs> I, 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 I said, why don't you say what you really mean? But, but, but having said that, I'd never seen, and I haven't seen it since, but we had two fabulous races. From the point of view of racing motor cars, touring cars, they were sensational. I, I can't remember the details, but I think one of them was won by about four seconds after a thousand k's. It was great. 
Well, I know Gordon Lomas is taking it upon himself to uh, make sure you get that invite to Bathurst Quarter. When I mentioned it to you, you were, uh, you were quite keen to see uh, Murray at Bathurst. I'm sure Tony Cochran can find an airfare. Um, I don't think it's beyond him. Um, but also, Murray, if you've still got a, a line into Bernie Eccleston um, and he's struggling for his uh, part of entertainment, um, you should tell him that he need look no further than V8 supercar racing. Well, I, I mean, I, I do a column for F1 Racing, the, the monthly magazine, and I have it in mind now to be doing a column for the next issue, the gist of which was uh, one, of the, one of the best racing car events that I ever go to is the Clips or 500 uh, because the combination of the track the history, the tradition the place Adelaide the fan base, the enthusiasm the rivalry between the two main constructors is like you see nowhere else and it isn't just a motor race meeting at the Clips or 500 it is a happening and, and, a, and a man can bring his wife and kids along and there's something for them all to do there's, good, there's great restaurants there's, there's a lot of other attractions than the racing and Formula 1 and most other series could take a leaf out of the V8 supercars book and uh, do even better Well one thing it looks like we're taking out of the World Motorsport book is uh, certainly the espionage side of things and uh, Murray I know spying on your opposition and and in some respects in Europe and and to lesser extent in America if you can win that's great but if you can win and ping your opposition a few spots and get them uh, into the stewards room that's even better and uh, we're starting whilst it's, uh, the V8 drivers saying it's always been there we're really starting to see that eking out particularly after Saturday when the rumours were that wrong tyres had gone onto one of the triple eight cars well I, I used to go to Macau every year to commentate on the Formula 3 race and I once saw a Chinese woman not beating seven bells out of a, out of a young son who had been doing something that he shouldn't have done and uh, the, the chap that I was with told me that she wasn't knocking seven bells out of him for doing wrong. She was knocking seven bells out of him for being caught. So, uh, I mean, mankind is always going to look for the unfair advantage. Uh, I, I could give you 101 examples, but... The laws of libel and slander and all the rest of it still apply. They're and, not as bad and, in Australia. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I'll take, I'll take your word for it. They would still be bad enough. No, I mean, people are always going to stretch the rules and try to win. Uh, I mean, take Formula One and um, take Michael Schumacher. Let's go back to 1994 in Adelaide. Uh, a lot of people accuse Michael Schumacher of taking Damon Hill out deliberately. I've always been charitable enough to think that he didn't do it deliberately it it was a spontaneous reaction to trying to regain the racing line Uh, there wasn't a lot of doubt about what happened in 1997 at Jerez with Villeneuve and there wasn't a lot of doubt about Michael Schumacher stopping in the qualifying session at Monaco in order to prevent Alonso from going quicker allegedly said he in a loud voice Uh, but that's because these, these chats will do whatever it takes to win. And a lot of people may think it's unfair, but that's life. Do you think it's more predominant, or do you think we're just hearing about it more now, Gordo? I think, I th- look, I don't think it's more predominant. I think we're hearing about it a lot more because the level of competition is so much higher. There's a lot more intensity out there, and, uh, and that's why you're seeing it come 
come to light more often. And and what's the old saying? I mean, it's you know, it's only a crime if you get caught, yeah, really. Yeah, you know, so uh, you're never going to stamp stamp out uh, someone trying to gain an unfair advantage. There was a NASCAR team once, and and they always kept their two cars away from... from you know about this, don't you? I, yeah. One of my great joys was speaking to Smokey Eunuch about two months before he passed oh, away. Right. All right, OK. And, well, you no, complete. You the no, well, I mean, the, they kept the cars away from all the others. They wondered why they did it. And eventually they found out, because they what, were seven-eighths the size, weren't they, of the, of the real ones? <laughs> It's one of the great choices. Seven eighths is smaller, seven eighths is lighter, lighter is quicker. Yes. <laughs> Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. We do this little thing called Gas and Go, Murray. Garth Tander's performance on the Clips of 500 track. What do you make of it? One of the best you've ever seen? Definitely one of the best I've ever seen in touring car races, and it takes a lot to match it in any race. Oh, look, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the level of competition out there could not have been any higher today, and Garth did not put a wheel wrong. Tony Cochran's talking about five more, the potential of five more international companies wanting to get V8 supercars overseas, Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong, South Africa, and uh, so on. Do you think V8 supercars could, should continue their uh, global expansion, Murray? Well, I, I'm not, I really am not qualified to say, because it's, it's down, the manufacturers support racing for publicity reasons, and it would depend how important the markets that they're going to are in terms of their sales potential. Uh, I would like to see it, it as a fan. I would like to see the V8 supercars in Europe, never mind the Asia. Got it? Yeah, Europe's interesting, actually, particularly particularly the UK. Um, look, we're going to Singapore next. That's not confirmed, but we, we're definitely going to Singapore next, whether it's this year or next year. We don't know. And then they're talking about India. I'm not sure about this international expansion. Um, and India is, you know, it's bit iffy. Murray, you're really shaking your head on India. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I shake my head on, on India for s- supercars in the way, in the same way that I shake my head for China for Formula One. Uh, motor racing is not in the culture of those nations, and I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking them, um, but, but they don't, it, it's only interesting and exciting if it's meaningful to you and you know the personalities and you know the background and the tradition and the histories and you you can put all that into place in terms of what you're watching uh, i mean in in the middle east they're a lot more interested in camel racing than they are in touring car races in the same way that the first time we went to uh, phoenix in arizona for formula one there were literally more people watching the ostrich racing that day. So it's a case of horses for courses or cars for countries. All right, and car of the future, should they make some big revolutionary changes here, Gordon? Um, I don't think they'll be big, big revolutionary changes. I think, um, you know, the, the biggest change you're going to see is uh, they're looking at uh, the Detroit like a diff. Um, so that'll certainly help in terms of getting international drivers out because these cars are extremely hard to drive for an outsider. 
um, you know, in terms of uh, what you see on the outside, you're not going to see much different. No, they should not make big changes. The strength of the supercar series, it seems to me, is that its relevance to the cars that the man in the street can buy or thinks he can buy. Well, Murray, that's Gas and Go for this week and for the show. Thank you very much for spending your time with us and uh, we always look forward to seeing you back out here for Clipsal. As you've got an infinity pass, I guess it's any time you want to turn up. It is, and any time will be any time possible as far as I'm concerned, but sadly, Australia is a long way from England. Gordon, thank you. Thanks very much, Craig. As the chicken flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, my thanks to Murray Walker and Gordon Lomas. Until next time, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.